a lot of people have this problem, and I don't understand why a lot of this is just something that I've come to. They're the not musicians. I guess that might You're be a musician. It. Maybe it is. Yeah, you just have a better sense of timing. Like it took me a long time to realize uh, most people can't carry a tune and can't dance, and it's at it, the same yeah or either really like they're not good at either yeah you know and and that's not because they're bad it's just because like that is a skill having a sense of right. rhythm and timing is a skill not everybody has it it's well, like try watching me run it's not worth seeing <laughs> not worth all seeing. i'm saying is sounds like i have impeccable time <laughs> sure that's oh, what it sounds so like. stipulated council <laughs> <laughs> you got it <laughs> so stipulated. I love it. Do I, do I? So I need to come up with an intro then, right? You don't need to do shit. Are you sure? Because I want you to hear the first time I saw Waterworld. Yeah, tell, tell me about, about it. it. Yeah. So my grandma used to take me to movies when I was a kid. Uh, like that was like we would have like an afternoon with grandma, right? Like she was like, "All right, let's go to lunch or dinner somewhere, and we'll see a movie." So it was like having like a little date with grandma, which was actually very fun. It's one of the ways I remember her very fondly for that. And when I was whatever age I would have been when this came out, she's like, let's go see that Waterworld movie. Yep. Okay. Now, at this age, and remember, I was a very sheltered upbringing in terms of media consumption because I was, my parents are conservative Christians. Like, just not a lot of nudity had crossed my desk. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think I actually talked about this movie on Is Me, Is Me. Because, like, there was a very awkward moment in the theater with Grandma when there was some real lady butt going on. Yep. You know? And and extremely complicated emotions occurred uh, out there at the at, at <laughs> Complicated. Sea, at sea. Complicated uh, body I mean, parts it's... and feelings occurred at sea. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's complicated. <laughs> it's it's mostly just hubba hubba or no, no, well, a wooga. Uh, yes, a wooga was the primary experience, but it had a okay. song of shame next to your grandmother. <laughs> I think it's, it's true. It does. It does. That does throw the old wrench in the gears. It really it eliminates a couple O's from the awuga. You know, like mm -hmm. it, it, it's a much shorter experience. I can't say I've ever gotten horny in front of grandma. <laughs> well, I can't fix that for you now. Uh, and you can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's uh, that's the the first that's trauma <laughs> this film inflicted on me. But it sounds like we're going to hear a lot more traumas on the film Waterworld today so because this is director piece theater. What I am Adam Ganser, one of our hosts. Yeah, we're living with this, Abe. Abe uh, is the other of our hosts. Hear his voice now. Oh, fuck, man. You are... that. That's all-timer right there. Did you like it? <laughs> yeah, you fucking knocked it up, Park. I gotta I gotta up my game is how I okay, feel good. about this right now because you that like was it. amazing. Yep. Um... <laughs> Yeah, that's right. He uh, he said all the words. We're uh, we do the we do the director piece theater, and what that means we is we we're we, since we we have a director minds. We we've directed. We decided that we'd make a show about talking about you know uh, directors and, and their tactics and whatnot. And yeah. this one is a weird one because uh, sometimes we like to take kind of a break from that you know like examination of the uh you know mechanics of filmmaking yeah, the and just kind of look at the productions and stories about some movies and he's absolutely right this is about Waterworld. Mm. and a while ago i kind of covered on this podcast the movie twister 
Um, And we talked about how the production was riddled with problems (laughs) with like weather injuries, walkouts. It was a mess. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And um, so this is kind of one of those episodes. I think this Uh, is great. We're doing one of those. I love this because uh, so much of this stuff never really makes it to the public. Yeah, you, know you kind of like, have to search for it. Yeah, or, that's yeah. right. They bury it they, a little bit. I mean, there are freaks who look at trivia on IMDb. Sure. Like, there are freaks out there. Yeah, there are freaks. Um, so and stipulated. they should be stopped or <laughs> give them a podcast. Or rewarded. <laughs> Those are the do- two options. <laughs> give them uh, power or take them out of the town square. That's right. One of the two. And... Um, and I think since we covered Twister before, which yeah. is remembered as one of the best films of all time, right? <laughs> I appreciate like the early Kiss troll. I Casablanca. I don't hate Twister. Twister. I, I know that's directed at me. I don't hate Twister. I think it's no, fine. No, no. Yeah. I think it's fine. Have I, you, uh, I liked it. Have you, you heard that they're making a sequel, right? That is astounding to me. It doesn't have Bill Paxton, obviously. No. He so would be is dead. It just, it's just... Helen Hunt in a different relationship. It's not, it's not even Helen Hunt, man. There's, oh, so it's just tornado. I don't think maybe there is. It's just tornado. Uh, actually, you want to know what the uh, title of the movie is? Yeah, Twisters. Oh, yeah, two. It's yeah. two of them. Great. <laughs> that, Some great minds neat. over there. Did you know that our our mutual <laughs> friend and director Jamie Winister made a movie that Supercell? Is, yeah, Supercell is also Go out and see it. A similar. Uh, a similar story about storm chasers. I uh, love storm chasing movies. I'll yeah, watch he, like schlock. He's very passionate about it. Like it was a, a work. I feel like I should passion. talk to him about this because yeah. I'll watch garbage. Like there was yeah. a garbage movie called, I shouldn't call things just garbage movies. We don't know who's listening, but there's a movie called into the storm that yeah. was made in like I want to say like 2018, but I'm probably wrong about that. Is it like straight to straight to VHS kind, kind of? Kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. Straight to streaming kind of idea. Yeah. And uh, Matt Walsh is in it, not the uh, pundit, not the uh, political person, but the Upright <laughs> Citizens Brigade comedian Matt Walsh, who you recognize probably from Veep, the one or... you'd like to watch. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's in it, and that's weird. But it's like it's because. I'm fascinated when they have the sequence where they go like, all right, so this is the car that we're going to be using to chase the tornado. And it's got like 80 cameras on it and it's got like armor plating and it's got like a grid and like a thing that like a tank where you can put your head up and into it and see 360. And I'm like, yeah, that the gear stuff. I want you a movie that's so just much. gear stuff. You're such oh. a gearhead. Like Hell in your yeah. heart you are. Like in Twister, you know, when they're talking about like Dorothy, I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, like I actually like sometimes I when I think of like film directors who could have had an Abesque career or vice versa, <laughs> like I think of Jan de Bont, honestly. Jan de Bont. Yeah, because like it's I feel like one. yeah that he seems like up your alley, like mm-hmm. the way he does stuff and the way like the 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 area he came from, not the, not the abuse of power stuff. Not but the, the, well, hopefully not. Yeah, not that. No, no, no. The, definitely more not the the man who shot Die Hard. Yeah, yeah. I hope is what yeah, you mean. Yeah, the way yeah, he yeah, thinks yeah, yeah. about film, I feel like, also connects to you. 
Well, thank you. Uh, that's that's kind of you to say. You're yeah. so you're so kind. Thank you. Today, well, uh, you're you know not what else? because you're forcing no, us not. to talk about Waterworld. <laughs> We're talking about Waterworld again. The best film ever made, according to all critics. Uh, it has a very storied past. Some people might know about this, who are who like the freaks who check IMDb. But if you aren't a freak, who ch- freak who checks IMDb. Guess what? You got one right here who's going to tell you about it. Yeah, you so are. it's production was basically haunted and i'm gonna break down how not it, how it wasn't just like the physical restrictions of the plan or like the osha violations uh, that really got us here the production broke something also in kevin costner its star <laughs> and co-director which uh, I assume darkens his soul to this day sure uh you know so it's it's really gotten an emotional toll um Literally, there's a floating atoll set in this. And yeah. uh, you know what's it, weird about that? We're going to talk about that. Yeah. What? That set is the best part of the movie, and it's mm-hmm. in the first act. Oh, yeah. That's a weird thing about this movie. Like, the biggest, the best stunts they do, and like the best set piece, like the thing you remember from it, all happens before the story really gets going. Yeah, that's right. It's so and strange. It's, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, in Avatar. There's something to be said about and welcome to Avatar. You remember that famous line that they say I, yeah, in yeah, Avatar? Right. They turn to camera. You have, welcome you to you Avatar. You have now become Avatar. And then it shows a wide <laughs> shot of everything. You go, ooh, and ah. It's that moment, right? It's yeah. like, because everything else is just fucking sea. That's right. There's not All much right. to look at in Waterworld. That, that's but accurate. this is a crazy production because not only have floating sets on water, on real ocean. This is not shot in the back lot of some place. Right. They got also the stuff that's in there. It's all steel beams and flamethrowers and cameras on jet skis, helicopters flying around with cameras buzzing, explosions all the time, fire constantly. And it's it was shot off the shore of the Hawaiian Islands about a mile away. So one question to the audience, what could go wrong? <laughs> Well, let's kind of start with the obvious. The, which the greatest is, tragedy here is the dumb, the dumb toll, like just like yes. the toll the dumb takes on you. I think it's a big part. Of I'm it. reminded of the meme of the stupid ways to die song. Yeah, yes, dumb yeah. ways to die. That's right. Or I, dumb ways to die. I've somehow seen this movie over four times. Of and course, like, that is that is celestially unfair. Like, it's so unfair. No reason for that to it doesn't deserve it, yet it no. does. Yeah, yeah, yet it does. I agree. Please continue. That's to. yep. The paradox is real. Um, so the first life lesson that Waterworld brings to us is I think that you'll find it's a smart decision in movie making where control is everything. Don't shoot on water, open water, don't don't do it. And yeah, now, obviously. one of the reasons so few, few films choose to, like, so let's say, I'm sure you all agree just with that statement, but let's go into a few things. One of the reasons so few films take place on open water is that it's so hard to get a stable shot on the surface because it's constantly moving the boats and the lights and the things necessary to get the shot you want. So shots will take hours to hours. set up. God. Even simple shots like a close-up. And this is... Um, so that obviously is something... Isn't a, You shouldn't do that for filmmaking, right? You need to move fast. 
This is something that Spielberg, who had moved away from Universal, who made this picture, he had moved away from Universal at this point to make it for DreamWorks. But uh, he did. He was still in communication with all the people there at Universal. And he was like, hey, I got I got some advice for you. Don't do this. <laughs> and this is because he had the experience of Jaws. Right. And is well, and that's a well-known movie for another horrifying production. So he's basically saying, "Don't, don't do it." And they did not listen to Stevie. Jaws was <laughs> on the water so much less than yeah. this movie is. Like right. Jaws is like maybe a third as much screen time on the water. No, if yep. that, you know. Yep. Uh, and uh, one of those reasons I could cite the fact that Bruce the shark in Jaws uh, almost sank several times would get waterlogged and would almost be gone. And then they would be like, well, now we don't have a shark. Yeah. Uh, we have a backup shark kind of, um, but many of the sets that were constructed on Waterworld literally sank into the bottom of the ocean. That happens. <laughs> yeah. They Some lost could... sets. Yes. No. Multiple. Multiple. Uh, and boats. Some could be yeah. salvaged because they because the thing about the way you if you're smart and you're an engineer like Pete craftsmen and craftswomen who who work on Waterworld are, they find a way to make it like a slow kind of sink. It's not like it sinks and then it's gone like we all experience right. when we make our paper boats. Right. It's Titanic. Uh, and put them in our pools. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. they they think of things so it's like ah it's sinking. Okay, well we got like it's pretty good right now because we have. We put stuff in it to, got for contingency. You can tell I'm not really an engineer, but I know that there's the idea of engineers. Point is, they could retrieve some of them and then repair them, but that still itself is costly. But if absolutely, and they did, they lost some of them. Literally sunk costs from production. Meanwhile, um, Kevin Costner's just handing out fiddles and they're all just playing them as it's sinking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, uh, we're going to keep playing. Another oh thing God. I want to mention is weather, because yeah. most of us live on land. In fact, I'm, I would argue all of us do. Yeah. Uh, if you are on the sea, the wind is an issue. Um, so constantly also put in your head that things are, con debris is constantly being blown off set regularly, even though they try to secure it, the winds are very high. Uh, and more importantly, weeks into production, uh, the largest set piece, what we were talking about earlier, the floating town called the Atoll was slammed by a hurricane. That's a nightmare, man. Most of these problems you'll realize weren't because there was idiots at the helm, but rather there, there were idiots at the helm. And I say this in a certain way because it's not like they didn't plan for this. It's that the production kept going longer and longer right. and longer. So then it and became then, oh, impossible. No, Right now we're dealing with like oh shit we're we're filming in monsoon season, um, so well, yeah Hawaii is a not the easiest place to get along with weather wise if you're trying to do this and this is such um, a thing in production by the way like a Abe and I can recall a time where we decided when we were working at Cracked that we were going to shoot in the desert, right yeah so like that desert shoot was supposed to happen in April, but so then what happens is uh, that like behind the scenes. There's a bunch of conversations about, well, are these even the right things to shoot? And you change plans. And so you start having to make gambles with this plan to salvage it, right? Like right. that's that's what happened here is they start because making Because what are you going to do? 
not, not do make it. the thing exactly you've yeah. already spent money on making Correct. the thing and time you Correct. know you gotta make the thing and right? that resulted in us shooting in summer in the desert which is a completely different experience and it was a lot harder you yeah. know and it, it happened again uh when we we did we shot an idlewild in the winter where i was yep. shooting i was shooting and i was like suddenly there's snow Right. Don't know if we this had to is going to come because of that. Yeah. Guess I'm not going to shoot that angle. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's right. Like, that's yeah. how you adjust. And that's kind of that's the unique that's the unique aspect of some filmmakers powers. Uh some people have control of everything. Um and they're like we manufacture it so that you get that one beautiful moment at golden hour and you just say get it and you get it. Other times you're like, well, we have we only have so much money. Most, most, most of the time, in fact, most productions have this where it's just like you have to, I don't know, man, we got to get this, but we can only get this now. Uh, we did plan on doing this and we had a contingency and a contingency with a contingency, but two of those got <laughs> fucked off. So here we are. So here's with the no best contingency. we can make of this mess. Yeah. yeah. That is exactly. a skill. That is it a is skill. a skill. Kevin Reynolds you kind of is... have to be... <laughs> calm yeah, all the time. Yeah. Kevin Reynolds does seem like a guy who can kind of piece things together. You know, like his films have that feeling of like being competent enough that they they feel like he can extract something serviceable and competent out of these circumstances. You know, like like I'm mm-hmm. not saying Waterworld is a good film, but I do think that it shows <gasps> a person who knows how to make a film in in a in the broad, underlined, competent sense of the word. Oh, absolutely. He yeah. makes huge films. Yeah. And that takes a lot of work from everyone. Absolutely. Um, yeah, this is so a you nightmare. Need to be a general. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is a nightmare. Yeah. Like getting hit by a hurricane. Um, and I will tell you that this hurricane that I'm referencing, which they, you know, it didn't kill the set, obviously. The, it was damaged and they repaired it and they had to stop production to do so, adding more days to the production where, you know, some people had to still get paid and not work and other people had to, uh, you know, like carpenters and stuff who you didn't anticipate having to pay now are accruing more hours. So you see how this money is now very inefficient uh, and then realize that that was one hurricane. What happens when there's three hurricanes? Yeah. Now I know you think I'm gonna pitch. Uh, I'm gonna pitch Perfect Storm right now. Well, <laughs> not. It's not like three hurricanes forming like a super hurricane yeah. and like hitting uh, Waterworld. That would be too awesome. No, it's just that uh, there was three hurricanes during the production of this movie in Hawaii. One hit the actual production. The two other ones just affected the like days and like well let's not shoot during a hurricane right yeah they had to stop kind of you know like it was nearby and they're like are we worried about this well let's not look west um and stuff like that so it still had influenced production and you know but literally damaged sets from this kind of stuff which you know three months out you can say like what if there's a hurricane but then you're there three months later and you're like literally there's a hurricane so what are we gonna do um and by the way, I want to mention with this uh, this this set, this huge set piece, the floating town, used all of Hawaii's steel. They literally <laughs> bought all of Hawaii's steel. In fact, they had to fly more steel in from California. God, they took all of the island steel. So imagine that, where it's like you're 
you're just living in Hawaii where you do. And you're like, I, you know what I want today? I want to build something out of steel. Nope, sorry, you can't. they're in Water World. Bro. <laughs> they're in Water. Forget world. about it. Hawaii steel, it's Water World. In the end, a thousand tons of steel. That's wild. To make, to make the atoll set, uh, in Water World. Uh, there's, I mentioned three hurricanes. There was also a tsunami warning <laughs> with one of them. I shouldn't so laugh. They had to shut down production because, like, I mean, I don't. I guess I don't track Hawaii's weather that much. This sounds like mm-hmm. particularly intemperate weather for Hawaii. Like it they was got kind really of bad weather, yeah. right? Yeah, they got bad weather. Yeah, yeah. man, that's. Uh, but this is like you know you kind of you shoot in Hawaii and you're kind of like ah I want that look I want this I want this season I kind of gonna live with it and you plan for it this is not the biggest problem with the movie water world no not at all like if you ask, if you go back and watch lost which was also shot in hawaii um there's lots and lots of scenes in lost where there's rain happening but they didn't light it because it's mm-hmm. not supposed to be raining so like mm-hmm. y- you almost don't see it but if you're looking carefully like they're yeah. kind of wet and like oh i see some they're kind of dark yeah because you know they had to shoot when it was raining that's just what being in Hawaii is. So, like, that was it was a bit of a foreseeable consequence. But a tsunami is pretty bananas. I mean, the tsunami kind of comes out of the the, the, hurricane, the hurricanes right. and such. Uh, and they didn't they weren't affected by the tsunami. It was just a warning. They shut down production. The point is more time. Right. Um, and there's other aspects. Just like anyone, like this is all the don't shoot in open water aspect. There. You were also making a movie about there's literally no land, and when the only land near you is Hawaii, which isn't that small when you're like near it, because you don't want to go too far into the open ocean. Uh, they had to take like mountains and islands out in vi- visual effects in post, so that kind of accrues every time you're trying to like, well, let's just do this cheap now. It's like, well, you're gonna occur a cost in post. If you aren't smart about shooting everything perfectly with the plan where there's no islands behind you. Um, Which so, yeah, there's that as well. had to be pretty cost prohibitive, one would it, think. Very much so. Yeah. So so imagine that also on your mind. All of this cost, uh, overflow budget. This right. is all things I'm talking about that they planned for a little bit, but it went, it pushed them even further than they thought. Uh, to the which point they actually cut from the script a whole subplot that you've never seen. Uh, that there was a whole slaver faction thing that happened, which I think is why a lot of people, when you watch Waterworld, you go like, "This is boring" or paced strangely. Yeah, yeah. They cut they cut out probably like fifteen percent of the movie straight up during production. We just said we're not going to do that. That's not going to be a part of the script. We'll we'll add pages here and there or whatever to beef up the things we like, but we're just not going to shoot those things. Also, that um, sounds like a thing that we would have wanted to see in this world. Oh, absolutely. You know? Where they like start a revolution or something yeah, like that. That, yeah. that does feel like a natural extension of this apocalyptic landscape. I mean, it's like Demolition Man without Huxley... And Dennis right. Leary, right, right, without that underground uh, faction, yeah, yeah, turning it into like partners, yeah, yeah, I agree. Anyway, it does feel like it's missing. Uh, it, the world is missing character in a lot of ways. Yeah, like there's tiny little towns, and then there's Dennis Hopper, who's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but the, it, it's just him. It's just him and his world. Like that's kind of all there is. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. So let's talk about the cost of it. Like actually we get into the, like I'm just talking widely about, um, you know, like what are things that are cost prohibitive and the budget of but this film. Right? Literally. And I took this from ranker, um, which had a, has a good kind of article. It's just kind of an aggregate article where it says that Waterworld began, uh, as like, it started when it as a script is like a $5 million Mad Max ripoff. That's, un, that's impossible to imagine. That was the original script was something sure. that was like, p- could be filmed for $5 million. Okay. And then it got s- so much buzz that it got bumped to 30 million. And they were like, okay, let's get some people involved in this. This is a good script. And this is how a lot of films like action films. This is the story. And for comparison, point break which came out, you know, several years earlier, but all but around the same time, cost thirty million. So this is going to be a point break no matter what, is what the studios are thinking. And uh the previous film that Kevin Costner and the director of Waterworld, Kevin Reynolds, um, their previous film that they shot together, which was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, cost forty eight million dollars. And also famously ballooned in cost. Right. Like they so famously lost at, control of the budget. We're at 30 million before two A-listers are about to enter the picture. Right. And then they set up shop and started looking at the actual like All right, now we're in Hawaii. Let's we decided on Hawaii. Let's talk to Hawaii. Get all the people involved who are going to help us in Hawaii to make this film. Because you never really know until you talk to the place because they're going to have their own rates and you their can own guess. things that they need. You can guess, but, you can guess, but not but really you know. can't. Yeah. Because we're going to learn why. The budget quickly ballooned to $65 million. That's actually not that surprising. Double. But that's, that's yeah. not that surprising because this is a really hard idea to do. Right. Yeah. And we're going to explain at all the tiers why this is happening. But the, fi- the film itself, once completed... Ended up costing, and th- remember, this is 1990s money, $175 million. That's a crazy number. That is a it ended wild up, number. And the movie ended up in the black. That's also very surprising. Uh, it would actually be considered a minor success today. Um, and this is what I like. Uh, the Ranker article points out that Independence Day was made the following year for the price of $75 million. So $175 versus $75 Independence Day, Waterworld. And Independence Day um, feels so much more substantial and epic as a story than Waterworld does. Yes. Another way of saying all of this, too, is Waterworld, if it were made today, would be upwards of $300 million, uh, adjusted for inflation, et cetera. Like what movie costs $300 million now? Right. Is there a movie so that costs that much money? Like Avatar? What's Avatar cost? Yeah. Yeah, Avatar. We're, I mean, we get... Some of the big ones are like two hundred million. I don't think three hundred million. It, maybe it's been crossed. I yeah, Avatar I think maybe an Avatar is crossed to three mil, three hundred million. Yeah. Um. So now that we kind of have a framework of where where it was at each section. So by the time that we got to like the sixty five million dollar number, I want us to take a moment and hear this fact: the script was not locked I before know. production. But this is the story. This is what you hear all the time. This is how those big those big budget movies get out of control cost wise because the reason mm-hmm. it's not locked 
is they want to be flexible enough to adjust because of right. budget. But what ends up happening is they get ideas based on the circumstances they're going to have to film in that end up and costing them more money because they waste time yeah. and they do rewrites and then they reshoot. So like they yep. end up sort of searching for the movie be- because they were trying to be flexible enough to keep the movie under budget. It's what and always this movie happens. did. A lot of that, yeah, in fact. Right. A lot of reshoots. Uh, Kevin Costner reportedly invested $22 million of his own $1990 into Waterworld. So much money. But he's Kevin Costner, remember, at his the, at height of his power. I'm still surprised he's worth that much money at that time. Mm-hmm. Like, I know he's been in, I know he's been a lead of movies, like several movies. I mean, he was a producer as well, remember? Yeah, that's a right. Lot of produ- a lot of producing. And he didn't dance with the wolves at this point and Robin Hood. Yep. So I guess, all right, I guess that makes some sense. He directed Dances with Wolves. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised he chose not to direct some of these films in light of that, actually. I think, because yeah. I think he always saw himself as a more sensitive man. And you like, you bring in Kevin Reynolds in for like the. The dumb blockbuster one. I don't know. I can't speak for him, but it's I, that's the narrative maybe I like. He, maybe he thinks of himself as a prestige director. <laughs> I think if he thinks of himself as a prestige director, which yeah. is amazing. Uh, which is fine. I mean, he dances wolf. Is a prestige film. Uh, so is the postman. It is. Babe. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> at what Costner is what I'm saying. <laughs> Good. A bad pun. I like that. I like what you're doing uh, here. Okay. So. Obviously, at some point in the production, Universal pushed back. And it was like, no, you can't extend so many days. Uh, Cut these scenes, do this, do this, do this. Costner's like, nah. Uh, But one of the things he did was alter his contract so he'd take 15% less of gross. So he really was invested in this movie. That's a lot of gross. Paying his own money, taking a lot of gross. And that's like, that could be way more than $22 million for all he knows. Um, because you you think that the movie you're working on is going to be the biggest thing in the world, yeah, it's right? Gonna make five, it's going to make two hundred fifty million dollars <clears throat> or whatever, right? Like, yeah. But like, what so percent a, was he getting before of the gross? I mean, he was producing and directing or backseat directing like, a film, I guess. But and like, starring in it, it's just kind of that's a that's a shocking number because like getting gross getting gross revenue is reserved for the top tier. Uh, I bet he was getting like half. That's what it sounds honest. like. Yeah. He's like going to take 15% less. It's like, so wait, he's going to get half the money this movie makes? Yeah. That is an astounding deal. I feel like those I mean, once everyone's now. made whole, you know, but yeah. Right. They recover costs, but that's, but that's net, dude. That's not gross. That's, that's net. The, yeah. Gross is just straight up. Whatever what it makes. I make 50%. Yeah. That's pretty wild. I mean, you know they're selling action figures and stuff, so. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he saw himself. I'm sure he saw an action figure version of the Mariner and was like, "Yeah, I, everyone's gonna want to play um, with this. Everyone's guy. gonna want to fuck this <laughs> toy." Wanna, I just want you to imagine every meeting and conversation that he's having, all of them. He's wearing the hair the way that he's wearing it in this movie. <laughs> like, oh, it's so beautiful. It's wet. Oh, it's barely enough hair. It's all of that. By the way, yeah, barely enough hair. Yeah. By the way, that's one of the factoids. Well, it's not even a factoid. I know I I I, I didn't include this, but I'm going to say it now because you mentioned the hair. Uh, it is an it's something that is a claim that has been disputed by Costner, but and so I am like use this power use this power for good because I we'll wouldn't see. go like saying this, we'll see. but I. 
I did read multiple times and multiple journalistic, uh, you know, websites have said that uh, Kevin Costner like asked and was pretty adamant early on uh, that asking visual effects about what they could do with his thinning hair. I mean, of um, course, which is tough. That's a it's tough, a bold that's decision tough look. to be to have hair like this in this movie. And yeah, you yeah, know? and it's also like you're leading man, and you know, right. like whatever, right? Uh, but I just thought that that was an interesting thing. He denies it, but it, I mean, it's easy to make up these rumors. Easy to deny these rumors. It, but it's a, it's a rumor websites based. That wrote that. Fair enough. It's a rumor based around a thing we all can see, which is. This is not a good look for his hair. Right. You know? Yeah, and like, I don't know how I feel about that, too. I probably shouldn't even mention it. But I mean, I'm going bald are, as It's we funny, speak, you know? Because Kevin Costner, the guy's got, the guy's fine. Yeah, yeah, I'm not <laughs> making fun of him fine. at all. I'm just like, I, I well, that's not true. I, I, I'm i I'm just saying that hair is hilarious uh, because it's just <laughs> right. not, it's not a good hair style. Like, it's, if mm-hmm. I was him, I would like to think that I would say, this is not going to be flattering for me, so let's pick a different hairstyle. You know what I mean? Like, that's the well, thing I mean, that's so funny. When hair's about. getting wet, there's only so much you can do. There's nothing you can that's do all. for thinning hair when it's wet. Like, that's the worst yeah. it could be. Anyway, I, I, so he knows. I'm not trying to be a anyway, jerk. So that's enough. You're not a jerk. Okay. It's just Kevin Costner, baby. We're going to be fine. Well, also, I am uh, balding, so I think about this all the time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, yeah, this is like, in I my calculus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel it. I feel the Mariner's pain. You know, I feel it. another cost, another cost I want to bring up, or it's kind of related to, you know, how that, uh, that number ballooned from 30 to 65 when they started looking into Hawaii yeah. and we're like, yeah, that's where we want to shoot. Something that happens is local production crews, builders, transportation offices, stuff like that. They'll take advantage of a production yeah. knowing that there's no option for the production to go anywhere else. Yeah. So they hike up their price to an astronomical amount. And so that is also one of those things where it justifies that 50% increase or, you know, rather I should say 200% increase. They took him to lunch at Disneyland is what happened. That's right. That's Um, that's what happened. That's what that looks like. Uh, There were also thefts. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Many enough computers, generators, parts of sets. That sucks. Just taken presumably by the conveyor belt of 300 plus extras needed day in and day out. Right. Um, Yeah. So the film originally planned, budgeted for a 96 day shoot, which is, that's healthy. That's a long shoot. Yeah. Yeah. For if we were to make independent features, a lot of them, that would be three of them. Yeah, that's right. Because some of them are made in 20 to 30 days, you know? Um, The shoot took a little under 200 days. This is awful. To finish. This is just awful. It's a Stanley Kubrick film now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... uh, one of the reasons, I mean, obviously I mentioned the weather and the slow da- slowdowns from just shooting on the water. One of the big ones, actually, that was mentioned is that anytime anyone needs to go to the bathroom or needs something or left something on a boat, they had to be shuttled by another boat. They can't just move the boats that you're on. That's because that needs to be in a place. It's you're choreographing a huge dance. That's a really between surprising 80 boats. Fact. Like, I would think yeah. that they would have boats that were basically just, like, honey wagons and, like, storage and stuff. 
I would. I mean, think you can that. only do that so much. You, I guess you, you know you don't know what you don't know. Um, and so that apparently early on, especially, was just a debilitating speed for the movie That's shoot. A nightmare. And I think that that was one of the things that Stevie was talking about. He's like, look, no one. Here's the biggest thing. No one really has the expertise of shooting it out in the open water. Like people on Jaws now know, but you're going to have a tough learning curve and you're going to realize that, oh shit, I need that thing. And I didn't even think that I don't have that thing. Like you can plan and plan and plan. All you need is one thing to go wrong, one cog. And then suddenly the whole shoot needs to wait two hours so that they can get into makeup or something. So this ruined numerous uh especially earlier in the production days i gotta tell you Um, like if there's any environment that you get told in film school not to shoot at it's the water they tell you this all the time i mean it's the worst thing you could do right it's like like don't shoot in space well yeah because you can't get (laughs) there you know what i mean like that's the only reason why you can't get there but if you could get there they would be less upset about space than water because uh, I'm serious, because like no. water is unpredictable and it gets everywhere and it destroys, like there is no way to accurately game plan for water other than whatever you think, make it 10 times worse. You know what You're I mean? You're absolutely right about water. Totally wrong about I know, space. I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just doing a bit. <laughs> but you're absolutely so, right. You're absolutely right. I made right. a film, a short film that took place in the ocean. Abe knows about it because he loves making fun of I me do. for it. Uh, and he's yeah. right too. It's not that great. Uh <laughs> And I, dude, the faculty, this is at USC, the faculty were relentless about do not go shoot in the ocean. Don't, don't go into the water. in the ocean, man. Don't right. do it. And I was like, I'm going to do it. Like, you know, I'm going to do it. And so they made me do all these like trials, basically, to prove that I was ready to handle shooting in the ocean. One of which was, mm-hmm. and Abe's going to love this, they made the producers and director, that's me, go out and sit in the ocean for 45 minutes. In January, to uh-huh. prove that we were going to handle the the yeah, the so waves can... and the temperature, yeah, and like that sounds like yeah, no big deal, dude. The ocean in January, the Pacific Ocean in January. Are you kidding me? No, it's not. Is that's a huge deal. Gnarly, bro. It is gnarly. Right. Yeah, yeah, and you're just like yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's yeah, fine. I was definitely like like one of my crew who should not be named bailed pretty quick. Uh, and I stayed Good. out there for 45 minutes with like single guns in the air because I'm like, we're doing this, man. We're doing this. We're doing this. Yeah, it's very George making, Costanza. Baby. We're doing it. Yeah. Screaming to yourself, this yeah. is my dream. But at the end of the day, <laughs> honestly, they were right because like they're right. You can't yeah. predict. There's just so many things you can't predict. What's it going to be like for the actor to be in the water? There's a lot of scenes in this movie we're gonna, where the actors are in the water, and you don't even know what that's going to be. We're going to talk about it. Yeah, anyway, I don't want to get We're going to talk about yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, but I just want to add this fun little note, because like, imagine the, the boldness and the gall to say, let's shoot a movie underwater, <laughs> right. or on right. water. And here's something that I wanted to point out that I read, and you're going to love this. An early draft of the script, uh, Costner's character had a horse below I deck. I can't even, why, why? Why would that be? <laughs> I think it was to show that he had been to dry land, uh, but it's hilarious to have a horse. They also that he went. They went out of the way to say that the script, like no one sees the horse. <laughs> like you see the horse as the viewer. But no Costner one else has does. the horse, right? But like it's a secret that he has. <laughs> 
I mean, that's actually a little bit consistent with the character to have a stupid <laughs> totally. secret. Totally. It's just funny. It's to very have a funny. Secret horse. And, oh, secret and like, horse. Incredible. In Waterworld. Or, yeah. So it's just like, that's just a dumb. So imagine if they actually went through with that script. Imagine all these problems. And a horse. Also, you have a horse. <laughs> oh, that sounds terrible. I can't believe nobody at the story levels like, why would we need to prove that he's been to dry land? He hasn't been. That's the story. That's why they cut the horse. Yeah, yeah not, the, not the production why. problems. Got it. <laughs> yeah, got, got it. it. Just funny. It's Just funny. funny. Hey, you want to talk? It? Let's talk about injuries because yeah. you mentioned you made a good story about, uh, before I mentioned the horse thing, you made a good story about uh, going in the water yeah. and how it's terrible. It is. So here we go. Number of people got seasick throughout the production. A good number of people, including a few of the stars. Uh, Kevin Costner's stunt double. Norman Howell, Norman Howell, sorry, suffered a near fatal embolism while filming a deep sea dive Ooh. from the bends. Wow, from the bends. Yep. Oh no, yep, man, you, you got keep the hearing bends, that baby. shit. Yeah, it's fucked. Yeah, almost died. Yeah, uh, people got stuck on boats and masts for hours. Uh, Costner is one of them. Described how he. Uh, spent two hours stuck on a boat mast in order to get a helicopter shot. Uh, I found an interview with Costner, and this is literally his words. Uh, I read about the Twilight Zone and every fucking thing else. Uh, And he's talking about the notorious 1982 accident where actor uh, Vic Morrow and two children were killed by a helicopter, which is gnarly. Yeah, really gnarly. uh, And famous. Yeah. Costner continues, the helicopter was about 20 feet away from me, and he yelled, back the fuck up, Uh, but he was drowned out by the roar of the helicopter, and he frantically waved the pilot away. They got the shot, but as the boat turned around, a fierce gale blew up, and quote, I don't know what the reason was, but we had purposely gone out to one of the windiest channels in the world. Uh... He was not happy, say the, says the producer, uh, <laughs> who was safe on the shore. So it's like he uh, got stuck in a mast for many hours and then almost died. And then he has to just keep sitting so, there because they're like, yeah, we're going to get you. Now that we got the shot, we're going to get you. But you're going to it's going to be like 20 minutes. And he's dealing with life or death situations. So he's like literally he was not tied the to the mast. Is that what's happened? Yeah. And they can't yeah, get up exactly. there because it's so windy. He's secured. Yeah. And it's so windy, but it's windy enough that he was like scared that if he would be blown out. awful. So he's like literally in this like just this absolute house of horrors where it's like you got blades on one side and you might get knocked out of uh, your only secure your, your only security uh, on the other it's it's terrible I gotta say it's terrible what it, well, we that did. is terrible I gotta say I know exactly the shot though I know exactly yeah, the it's shot it's cool. a really good shot I know, yeah but yeah it's not worth shot. it uh, totally not worth it yeah and it probably would have been better if they chose a better, uh, you know, like area to shoot. But like, what can you do? Uh, can you control the weather? Um, Janine Triplehorn and the child actress Tina uh, Maharino yeah. nearly drowned when they were thrown from the Mariner's boat. Uh, when a I, I don't know exactly because I don't know boats, but boat spirit, bow spirit, 
bowsprit? I have no idea. I'm not going to even pretend like I know. Thing that probably holds you to the boat snapped. Uh, and they had to be saved by a team of 12 divers. <laughs> With a child actress. With a child. It could have literally been Twilight Zone again. Yeah. Uh, this is t- haunting stuff. A little less haunting, but still, you know, shitty. It was a rite of passage to work on Waterworld to get stung by a jellyfish. That means lots of people are peeing on each other. A lot of pee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Waterworld and just a bunch of crew members just like, oh, I'm going to piss on you and then you piss on me. (laughs) Well, they're taking breaks from the drinking machine. Like they're taking breaks from that that converter machine at the top of the movie. I'm done making water. Now it's time for me to make salvation for your stung leg, bro. Some guys like, I remember the good old days. (laughs) Productions like Waterworld when I was a crew on Waterworld. We just pissing on each other. I was a pissing PA. That was my job. Hell yeah. As much water as I could. Oh, they just hire people to piss. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. You know, piss. Great for negating stings. Now, I promised at the top of this podcast that it's not just the physical and economic toll that the production of Waterworld wrought to the world, but rather the emotional toll of two Kevins. <laughs> and those Kevins are Kevin Reynolds and Kevin Costner. Yeah. The tale of two Kevins. Yeah. And they were great friends, as we mentioned, creatively and in person. And on this movie, though, as uh, was true on Prince of Thieves, they were disagreeing with each other constantly to the point that Reynolds quit midway through the production. So even though he's given the credit and he came back for post, he straight up walked away from physical production. And At what point um, in the movie did he do that? Midway, you're saying? I don't know. I don't okay. think they actually have that information. Maybe someone... Uh, who's better at research can track it down, but I, I spent a lot of time. The, ta- um, the tales I hear about Kevin Reynolds, just to be clear, I'm not taking Costner's side or anything. The tales I hear about Kevin Reynolds are that he's extraordinarily difficult and temperamental. Like, that, yeah. seem, that seems to be the, the news on him. So, like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not taking the wind out of this conflict, but I'm, and obviously these bad situations You're will just make saying that, that happen. They were two highly successful, yes. very opinionated Correct. people. Correct. Correct. Who maybe couldn't hold together through all of the aspects of production, which are because they're they're getting put through the ringer here too. So I imagine no one is at their best. Um, and these two had been working since the '80s. Reynolds gave Costner a, a huge role early in life that got put him on the map, more or less. Called uh, it was in a film called Fandango. Yeah. Uh, they later collaborated on Dances with Wolves. That was Costner direction, but he was constantly having phone calls with Reynolds, a la you know, kind of like Kubrick and Spielberg. So they're pretty good friends idea. then. Like, that's they're good that's friends. That's a pretty good friend relationship yeah. then. And uh, Robin Hood Prince Thieves came right. along, and that kind of uh, stressed the relationship right. because, according to uh, like. Probably Reynolds, uh, Costner's ego kind of got large at that point, right? So you can't have two, you know, like pit bulls. In, in that's not true. You can have as many pit bulls as you want. Pit bulls are great. I'm just saying that you can't have two angry dogs at in one space. Not if not if Costner kind of yeah. Not if they're fighting each right. other. Uh, Costner's ego is pretty large at this point because I mean it would be your success is 
Like he was the A lister, top of the A list. As much as we joke um, about Dances with Wolves, him directing that film had to have been such a massive validation of talent for him. You know, like huge, like yeah, because like I don't, I don't know what else he's directed, but like that would be an extraordinary film to successfully direct. It's really well made. I mean, well, it's well made. It's and like you know, Andy was the lead in it. And it was a big deal, you know. Um, it's just hard to it's hard to quantify the impact that has on yourself. On uh, yeah, yourself right before Waterworld. Right. Uh, but yeah, even in Prince of Thieves, Reynolds left. I, you know, that he has a history of this, and Costner had to take over, and Costner was going to get the job yeah. done. So there's Prince that. of Thieves had a lot of conflict on it. Uh, that's that's the news. There was a lot of conflict on it. Uh, yeah, and so like this dynamic of these two guys not getting along is like that is their dynamic. Like that seems to be their dynamic between these two yeah. movies. Like a really good start, some good career, friendship, and then it just turns into ah, we're not really clicking like we used to. Um, but so this in Waterworld, the rift particularly started in pre-production because Costner took control of the script months before the production started, which isn't unheard of. It's just like, it sounds like he was pretty authoritarian on it. Uh, because in an interview in entertainment weekly, uh, Kevin Reynolds said, quote, uh, he's saying this to Kevin Costner, quote, if you were director, would you let someone do what you're doing right now? Costner recalls, and I said, no, but I wouldn't be in this position, which kind of tells you everything you need to know. That's a lot more transparency than I'd expect from Kevin Costner. Or Entertainment Weekly, but here we are. Well, I think Entertainment uh, Weekly, Weekly is thrilled. With all right, this, that's fine. You know? That's fine. That's fine. I don't need to throw shit. Oh, yeah, yeah uh, right, right. Reynolds was already kind of cracking under the stress of filming the movie, um, but really what fucked him up was <clears throat> after leaving the production Reynolds said in the future Costner should appear in pictures he directs himself only <laughs> that way he can always be working with his favorite actor and his favorite director yeah that's emotional <laughs> so that tells you the extent to which we're, we're dealing with these two Kevins putting um, it out in public now, like that is a pretty big divorce you know, like put putting like putting it in Entertainment Weekly is like I hate your guts. Yeah, exactly. You know? uh, Although, yeah, because that's like even if it's after the fact, it's yeah. not a good career move for either of them. Right. Ultimately, um, later though, they came together to create a miniseries called Hatfield and McCoys, uh, and they co co-directed it and stuff. So. So, so I guess water under the bridge. Up, I guess water world under the bridge. Um, <laughs> now this was. There's a lot more things going into this than just like if you just have this kind of uh, satellite view of like here's two egotistical people, which I still think could be the tagline here. But Kevin Costner was going through a divorce at the time. Sure. Like literally during sure. this production, uh, he banned tabloids on set. Uh, there's a funny story of Dennis Hopper shows shows it to him, which sounds like a real dick move by Dennis Hopper yeah. to be like, check out this tabloid on you, you know, called, <laughs> he 
because everyone wanted to know about this huge production in Hawaii, yeah, Waterworld. Right. Also, Kevin Costner's in the middle of a divorce, right. and he has three children, all this shit. Uh, apparently, also, Kevin Costner uh, was a fuck beast. <laughs> like, he was out fucking all the time. Because sure. I guess you've, if you're newly divorced, yeah, I guess. You, and you're Kevin well, Costner it, in the 90s, what are you going to do? He's probably also like trying to soothe the pain of dealing with this He's probably like Don Drapering his life right now. You know what I mean? Like trying to like get yeah, exactly. through this nightmare. Uh, you know, just feel good for a few <laughs> minutes. Uh, anyway, I don't know. I I I, mm-hmm. I don't know where that rumor comes from, but uh, I completely understand how it could happen. Uh, there's a few more points I want to make about the like morale on set, which is not very good. <laughs> the crew. Turnover was very oh, sure. high. Who wants to work on this? This sounds awful. All right. Uh, several members of the near 500 person crew uh, were fired or walked off the pitcher, including the assistant director, the AD, Alan Curtis, yeah. uh, who left over creative differences. Quote um, Now, an assistant director is in charge of making sure the day's production runs smoothly. Yeah, they're the Goddamn pit. nightmare. Yeah. Goddamn nightmare for a film like this. So when an AD leaves a production, it's usually because they think this is a disaster. It's a ship that's like sinking. I need to get off this ship so my career can be well, safe. Also, what if somebody gets hurt or dies? You know what I mean? Like when then you get to my that career point, is over. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I don't want to be right. here. So that's usually what they do. Um, now. Uh, there's a few other notable, uh, the designer who created the huge gates for the atoll also walked off the set for some creative difference. That thrills me. And I believe that one is actually probably a creative difference. Um, the, based off how you read it, it seems like he finished his work, but then it, like the adjustments and all the demands of the production, he was just like, I'm no, just I'm so curious know. what it's that it's too hard. I'm curious what that would be because like, this is going to sound very condescending. I don't like Waterworld, obviously. I don't think Waterworld's design is fun to look at. Like, I think it's very creative in a lot of ways. Oh, I like the steampunk element of it. Uh, yeah, it's it's well made in that it makes sense, but I don't like being there. You know, like, maybe that's just an Adam thing. Like, so it's it's interesting to me to think of a designer who's, like, really trying to make this work and then, like... But like when you say this, it's like let's make everything look ramshackle and thrown together, but still structurally sound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, and then like getting notes on that is that's got to be frustrating, right? Am yep. I being too reductive? No, here? I don't no, know. I, I'd say that's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so the crew presumably called Waterworld Kevin's Gate. As a pun, so, I'm sorry. Is this just a joke you wrote? No, or is this a thing? This is they real. Oh. <laughs> it's a pun on the murder cult, Heaven's Gate. They well, call said- it Kevin's Gate. <laughs> you said the crew presumably called it that. I was like, so this is what you're doing when you're writing these episodes. Yeah, it's like, here's a funny pun. I'm gonna it work it in. I use that word presumably a lot. Uh, that's true. You know me too well. Some people called it fish tar, <laughs> which I think is even better. Uh, so there's that as well. Uh, and, fish tar. And for my final, before I take a bow, my final thing that i want to give all of you people to remember about kevin costner and the storied past of 
Waterworld is that <laughs> right before he decided to make this movie, he was offered the role of Andy Dufresne in Shawshank Redemption. Wow. I don't like him for that, though. I mean, sure. But I mean, it's just like... But big role. Yeah, yeah. you're totally right. I mean, because Tim Robbins kills it. But like, <laughs> Shawshank Redemption, Waterworld, Kevin Costner, he's just a man torn. But like, <laughs> it completely makes sense why... For him, he would pick Waterworld over Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, it does. It does. Like, he wants to be an action star. You know? He was an action star. He wants to be what we think of Bruce Willis as being. You know? Waterworld is that. Shawshank Redemption's a drama. That's right. You know? Before we had all these hot bodies, you know, these slabs of meat, (laughs) we had Kevin Costner. I mean, I think in all in defense of Kevin Costner, I think that I mean he's you know, handsome. If he, yeah, he was a handsome guy. He was in good shape. He was also yeah. tall. Like he was a he's not a bad marquee action guy. You know, like yeah. I don't know what his athletic prowess is. You know, like I don't think he can compete with The Rock or somebody like that. That's I'm but, just alluding to the fact that he'd have to like Kevin Costner versus The Rock is where where I really wanted to get us. <laughs> well, you succeeded. <laughs> Here we uh, are, baby. Yeah, you finally got us there. Uh, I love how gleefully you remind us of Kevin Costner's mistakes. I like think Kevin Costner. It. Kevin Costner is kind of a perfect figure in history because he, yeah. like, as far as we know, he he kind. I mean, he he hasn't really done anything wrong. I mean, he has made Yellowstone. He's probably pretty conservative, so I should probably walk that back. But it's just like he seems like a part king of an innocent time. And whereas we know, wait, is Yellowstone bad? Really quick, I've never watched it. So is Yellowstone like a bad, like a, a conservative show or something? Yeah, I mean, it, it makes okay. some cardinal sins, like you know, okay. right. scenes where you have like, uh, you know, like scenes with the landowners of like the biggest Yellowstone park talking to the first peoples of. <laughs> You know, uh, indigenous oh. peoples and saying like, wow, like, yeah. And just being like, thumbs up. We're, we're doing what you want. <laughs> and it's, and they That's give them a, a real... thumbs up back and go, yeah, you are, you're, you know, you're fighting the power, man. It's like, I don't know if that's what they, you know, it's that it's stuff like that. What uh, a funny trajectory for him to be making that statement. I mean, who knows? Uh, when who 30 knows? years earlier, he's making a very different statement. Who knows? But it's also sad. To, I, I don't want to get into Yellowstone. Okay, sorry. I All have right. sorry. I, I just a season I, or two of Yellowstone. Got it. Because you have I, to. You have to see what God's up to. And, I want to uh, know. Yeah. It's Yellowstone. Anyway. Uh, it's Yellowstone. Okay. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I like Kevin Costner also because he is one of many other figures that are like movie stars who are not necessarily like the most compelling actors. They're just people that you like to watch a story built around. Yeah. You know, like I'm not saying he's a bad actor. He's been good in things. That's why he's like like, perfect. Like a perfect, uh, like he's a representative of a time. Like you can make fun of him because he was at the height of his career in the nineties. And it was like making all the money in the world and no one, he, he wanted nothing. Um, but he's also kind of a, like a sad sack, <laughs> like he, right. He has a sensitive, like kind of bent, you know. Like he, I mean, well, he's in the movie business, man. You have know, like, you seen uh, Tin Cup? 
for example. No, I'm aware of it. Uh, I'm aware of it. I've seen pieces of it. I like. That's I probably think this fine. Is, I think Kevin Costner is an interesting data point that is on a trajectory that leads ultimately to Arnold Schwarzenegger in this one way. And that Arnold Schwarzenegger is the most this thing I'm describing. Like a person who's not really an actor, but like you like watching movies built around him because he's fun. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is extremely good about knowing who he is and like embracing that and uh, and not getting in his own way. Oh, for real? You know, like he's really good at that. A lot of these other actors are less good at it. And consequently, things like Waterworld come into being. Yeah, I wonder if that's, yeah. I mean, it was a success, you know? Like, and if it didn't have all these production issues because of, you know, some of them were luck in a way, it could have been a major success, you know? And from the standpoint of culturally, it was a success. It's just it had to recoup a lot of its money. So it's all behind the scenes stuff. But people think it's bad. Right, people like, I don't did think, think people it's are, bad. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody's saying. I think the stresses of the production good. are visible in the films. Like, I think the most visible one is the one I mentioned earliest in this podcast, which is there's a whole arc that isn't there, and that's probably why when you watch Waterworld, you're like, hmm, something's off here. The pacing's off because they had too little movie for the runtime. And also, at the same time, they built scenes around to fill in the details, so they had to include them. And they didn't feel as spectacular as a whole other subplot. Um, That's one of the benefits of subplots. You cut away to a new thing, and you're distracted by, like, ah, that's cool now. So if you don't have that, it feels slow and relentless. Well, there's also just two other things that that don't factor into this, but I feel like might factor into the making of the movie. Like the first one is first of all, Dennis Hopper nowhere to be found in this episode, and that's interesting. <laughs> like, how yeah, could Dennis Hopper not have made his way into these stories? Like, yeah, the guy's a, he, like a magic he, figure. He was professional. He did the one thing right. that I did read about him is that like, uh, so Janine Triplehorn was like, uh, she was like, hey, I this production has gone on for so long. It's like sure. months at this point. I hate this. I right. hate this. I just want it to end. And Dennis Hopper was sitting probably with a cigar in his mouth and on a lawn chair. Probably. This is how I imagine the story. Responds, I don't want it to ever end. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he's alluding to the fact of we're getting paid. This is great. But I sure. also like the interpretation where he's just like, this is the best I'm having day of my life time. every day. Every day yeah. I walk, I wake up and go, water world, water world. <laughs> the joy that he has in the scene where they see, they reveal the fake eye for the first time. Oh yeah, is like you, like he's just he's just doing the best job. He's so good. He's a professional, in this stupid man. movie. Yeah, he's great in this. Like I have fun watching him in this. Uh, so <laughs> setting that aside, though, I really think this would be a problem for our production. Like, Kevin Costner's character is really, really unlikable. Like, really, really, really unlikable. I like it. But he's like a, like, he's a a mysterious asshole. Yes. Like a really, really shitty guy. I wouldn't say really shitty. I wouldn't say it's a problem either. I like it. 
Interesting. I, I like I that like... he's an outsider and he's he's bothered by all, all he's surrounded by idiots. He wants to kill the child right up top. Yeah, sometimes you, know you I mean? gotta break a few Sometimes eggs. you gotta murder a child. <laughs> sometimes you gotta world murder I mean, a child with a map. Too, right? She is more identifiably human than him in every way. So I'm not going to condemn the child. No, I'm, the I'm not is- kidding, though. I do tend to like like scientist characters who are like, uh, not to be like a nerd or anything or not to be in. You know, I know you guys got a lot of like rah-rah spirit going on right here, but I wasn't going to poo-poo the party. And I'm like, yeah, I am that guy. I do poo on the party. I like and He feels like ass. a big party pooper. Yeah. yeah. I like a good chap ass. I like I like Don Draper. Who I think is extremely unlikable. Oh yeah, he's uh, as a yeah. character, you know, and uh, and I don't like him because he's handsome. I like him because he's interesting. I'm not sure the Mariner is interesting, but that's I not Kevin Costner's fault. I wouldn't even put Don Draper in the same conversation okay. as the Mariner. Honestly, he's more okay. of an asshole. And the, and we're talking the about Mariner some is or Don Draper. Don Draper. Is. He's to- okay. he's the way the worst. And I know that you said he wanted to kill a child the mariner that is i know <laughs> you said still that i'm still saying don draper okay. is worse <laughs> all right well i'm not going to argue with you about that since we're also not allowed to talk about yellowstone i'm not going to talk about Mad Men, but i will say <laughs> i think a movie with a protagonist that's this hateable like there's something about the crew working on a film like that when it's not going well you start to lose faith in a film when there's nothing <clears throat> interesting when you're not seeing the redeeming value of the movie like I'm, I'm projecting that I didn't read that anywhere or see that. Right. But I do know that you have worked on I, productions. Yeah. Yeah, I know that crews really get boosted up by a great performance or by seeing the thing they read happen. They're like, man, this, we're doing it. You know, like they really feel like they're part of it, and they should because they are part of it. And I feel like seeing this character be so terrible and having such a hard time might be a difficult obstacle for this crew. But I'm projecting that. No, but you know. I, it is real, and some of them, some of them may have really felt that way. But the other thing that I would say that you're counting, or is important that you're not counting as much, is that that was probably just went unsaid because most of the probably. people working on the crews working on this level were most likely no. It's like no matter where you're working, you don't say shit like that or show that. Sh- oh, anything. they're not saying it on set, but they're definitely right. going to drinks at some bar in in Maui. And being like, this is a nightmare, or wherever they're shooting. For real, for real, yeah, yeah. Like you know, it's a it's a morale thing, right? Like this is a this is a, the rumblings are happening uh, because of all this shit, and then you start doubting the movie. Like that's what happens, you know. And then you're you prickly pear when it comes down to the, yeah, right. And then suddenly everyone's a mariner, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think most most people who worked on Waterworld are probably consummate. You know, professionals just of because they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you of don't course. get to the you don't get to the highest highs, you know, without, you know, taking care of the lowest lows and, you know, as far as I can those tell rivers. That's right. As far as I can tell, Kevin Costner is a consummate professional for the most. That's part what I movie. also found out, because it's like, you know, you get that story less from Prince of Thieves, but yeah. Waterworld really does put a shine on it where he's like. Oh, you're gonna leave again? All right, I'll take care of it. You know, it's that kind of like fuck. Yeah, he really stepped up for Waterworld. 
Right. I mean, I know there's that quote that he said about you know, how his director's like, would you let your actor do this? But like, reminder, the guy also put, he fronted half the budget. I mean, or at the time, half the budget. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so he's not just an actor. It's his movie. I also stopped um, the quote early. Later, he said, like, also, Kevin Reynolds, if you were as pretty as me, you wouldn't be in this situation. That's what Kevin Costner said? No, I'm just fucking with I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> what a quote. I love your fake he, quotes. He presumably called it Kevin's Gate. I love that. What a mm-hmm. quote. That's yeah. real. That's yeah, 100% yeah, real. I bet it is. Mm-hmm. Fishtar. <laughs> Fishtar. That's what I would call it, too. That's a great name for a terrible water. Fishtar? I mean, water world. Hell, yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. We could have called Shape of Water Fishtar. That would have been pretty chill. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's sure. me. That's me on Waterworld. Uh, uh, you did an excellent job because uh, you all this stuff. Like I know you said you're taking a break from directing, but really, like this is what directing is. This is making a film in the middle of whatever the world gives you. Right. You know, like I, you know, I, I've I've bagged on Kevin Reynolds a little bit just because the reputation he has, but like, my God, this would be the worst movie to try to make. I can't. I would. I would be so <clears throat> right. miserable. Right, and it's a bunch of your de- decisions that you're like, yeah, I can live with this. I can. I. I don't think I can live with that. So that I should cut that out of my brain. But like this, I really want to hold on to. And then every producer is also doing that. And you're like, okay, I guess I'm beholden to this reality too. And then being able and struggling to kind of hold those contending realities all afloat at the same time. That that's, true. that's masterful work for anybody. That's a enormous job, uh, and one that can you can easily break from just the anxiety and absolute like daunting aspect of it. Especially as the budget balloons, and you're like, okay, I do not want to be the person who sank the hundred and seventy five right. million. I'm the guy movie. messing this up. Then I'm yeah. this. Then my legacy is a story of don't be me. Right. And I exactly. can't live with that. And that's right. horrifying. So, I mean, also, probably had a lot under- of dark nights, is all. No question. I mean, you can't all, you also can't underestimate what it's like to watch a slow motion disappointment happen, which I assume he must be, that must be happening to him all the time. And then try to keep your composure. Right. Because, you know, like your composure is all sort of contingent on the reason I'm in this business is to make a thing I love that I'm proud of. It's like fundamentally an emotional choice you made to be here. And uh, then that choice, you're being pummeled with it every day. Like I look back on like just the little things I used to complain about making films that cracked. And I can absolutely see myself doing some of the stuff he did. You know, like, cause like not even to be, not even because he's a diva. It looks like he's a diva from the, you know, highlight reel. But imagine living with this disappointment and having to be the engine pushing this film forward. It's a lot to take. It's a lot to take. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but man, oh man, is it not a cautionary tale of you live with the choices. And if one of those choices is shoot on open water, you're already <laughs> yeah. not winning Good the luck. war. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it's less problematic to do it for a shorter period of time. But I, but yeah. like not a lot of movies are just out at sea, and they always end up ballooning and being impossible to make. Just that's it's what not, happens. Yeah, it's not wa- water 
It's water world <laughs> is what I want to get to. <laughs> Point is the whole world's water, so it's all gotta be water. That's get, what we're talking get, about. Let's here. get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> This has been a Small Beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module please like rate subscribe or tell a friend about us we love you